Dr. Holly Mash grew up in both urban and rural areas in England. She discovered a love for animals at an early age and set a goal to be a veterinarian. She earned her veterinary degree from the University of Bristol in 2001. While in veterinary school, she spent time on a farm in Norway and an externship at the University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Equine Center. After graduation, she worked in both mixed animal and small animal practices for a few years before deciding to go to Australia and New Zealand for a year to take a break from practice. At the same time, her interest was kindled in holistic medicine because of successful treatment of a resistant corneal ulcer in her parents' dog. While in Australia, she spent time at Dr. Barbara Fugere's practice and was convinced to take the IVIS acupuncture course during her year away. When she returned to England, she started a referral acupuncture practice, which continues to this day. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Holly Mash as we discuss her education, holistic training, consulting for King Charles III's organic dairy farm and a leading pet food brand, and her two books, The Holistic Dog and The Holistic Cat. Dr. Mash, thanks for talking today. Thanks, Neil. That's funny to be called Dr. Mash, but it's good. (laughs) (laughs) What part of uh, England were you raised in? Uh, Well, Sussex, actually, and then Herefordshire, so a bit of both, country and town. Yeah. Were you raised with a lot of pets? Mm, Rabbit, little duck rabbit, I think was our first pet. Um, we lived on a houseboat then, actually. Um, yeah, and it was the lock keeper's rabbit. Um, or maybe it had babies or something, and we got we got that little rabbit. And um, and then an angora rabbit that was a nightmare. So nobody brushed it. It's just matted. Um, yeah, so not a lot of animals. And then a dog, you know, all desperate for a dog. And got a dog when I was maybe eight or nine or ten, something. Copper spaniels as a family choice. What was it like growing up on a houseboat and that's that kind of limited space? <laughs> well, I guess we got really good at um, tidying up bunk beds with my brother, who proceeded to fall off it, I think, and broke his leg. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was probably put on the bottom bunk after that. But no, it was fun. It, you know, ducks outside the window and swans and... Yeah, I guess it was really nice as a child. Oh, I bet. Um, it's really, really yeah. unique, you know? Yeah. Um, how old were you, were you when you thought you wanted to be a veterinarian? Um, probably that was maybe 12, 13. It was all, all um, the fault of work experience. Do you guys have that in the States? Like, yeah, so, you know, when you're that age at school, um, you get sent out to spend a week you know, in a job. And I was all set up to go to a jeweler's um, like that. And then that fell through. And I think it was my dad who sort of said, how about going to the vets? And I wasn't really that keen, but I, I guess it sounded interesting. So I um, went along and then day one was cleaning out dog kennels all day. So yeah, I came home and said, hmm. But day two, I came home and said, yep, I want to be a vet. And then that was that. I think I, I got taken off the cleaning out kennels duty on day two and um, got to watch some really great stuff and got hooked. I know you were, had a horse interest as far as veterinary medicine. Did you ride horses as a kid? Oh, yeah, exactly. So um, 
I was horse mad girl. Um, and, um, yeah, that sort of linked in with the vet thing as well, I guess. Um, uh, so I was always being taken off on Sundays to my horse riding lesson. And, um, and then I had my, I had a pony when I was maybe probably 13 or 14 and looked after that and just loved riding. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty keen. And then later on in vet school, I really wanted to be a horse vet. Was it a nice pony? Oh, lovely. It was a Welsh mountain pony called Mina, um, grey. And I just loved her. Yeah, I looked after her. Um, my dad built a little stable beside our house. Um, and we lived right by a railway, actually. So and I rented a field just down the road. So I used to have to walk her, lead her on the road, which is kind of a fairly busy road. And across the hallway, um, it had one of those um, gates, that, you know, crossing gates that go yeah. up and down. And yeah. it still had a person in the signal box. So it was one of the like, few, probably few manned signal boxes. So, yeah, in hindsight, that was quite a quite a thing to do for a kid to walk a pony down the road. <laughs> there yeah. was a sort of lorry. But, yeah. And and the pony was didn't get scared by any of the traffic noise or well, train. Actually, no, she must have been bombproof. The only thing she hated was um tractors with fork lifts at the front. <laughs> yeah, she would run away if that happened. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, horses are amazing. You know, you can, you can get a horse that you can walk past a train, but yeah, a, tra- a tractor with a fork on the front is going to send them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Reminds I had a horse that could I could do anything with except use a fly spray in a in a in a bottle, you know, a little spray oh, bottle would yeah. just make him run to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to put it on a cloth first, and oh uh, yeah, yeah, but that wasn't in the owner's manual. I had to find that out the hard way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you went to vet school in Bristol. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I um I absolutely loved it. Um. So yeah, I was uh, um, I was so thrilled to get in, you know. So it's so exciting. I can remember walking down the street to the vet school, thinking, you know, yeah, I've made it. <laughs> and yeah, like there was a a nice cohort of like I think there were maybe seventy or eighty um, of us in the year. How many? Uh, what was the proportion men to women? Um, it was mostly girls, yeah, probably um, um, three quarters girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what what sort of medicine were you interested in when you were in school? Uh, just the conventional, actually. Just, just just everything, you know. It's not even medicine at that stage, is it? For the like first three years, it's just all the anatomy and biochemistry and all the. Nothing, nothing interesting. Um, you know, nothing animal based, really. Well, apart from the dead ones in the, in the anatomy classes. Uh, um, but we got taken out to the um, actual countryside vet school once a week on a coach. Um, so even in the first year, that was exciting. They teach us things like how to catch the sheep, and um, uh, but I guess you had all that. So. That's so, kind of nice, though, to have it so early in your, you know, in your schooling. So it keeps you. Realizing yeah. what you're going to be in for, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Animal handling. I think that's what they called it. So it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was quite amusing. What'd you do on your breaks from school? Oh, 
well, actually, that's what they're having a big debate about in the vet press in England at the moment, um, because we had to fit in a heck of a lot of um, extra curricula, like working on these various different types of farms and stuff. Um, so you had to like spend two weeks with horses, two weeks with pigs, two weeks with sheep. Um, that all had to be fitted into the holidays. Um, and actually, at the moment, I think they're um, saying that that might be kind of scrapped because especially now with people having to pay for their own college that I was lucky enough to have a grant but um you know so the vet students now can't really get jobs and earn money because they're having to do free labor on different animal farms yeah so, um, so what what kind of farms did you go to oh well I went to um a horse stud um down in Sussex and a pig farm, which I kind of almost, well, I kind of almost gave up on day one because it was an intensive farm. It was really shocking, really awful, um, like uh, animal welfare type. I mean, it was just regular. There was nothing awful as such about it. But to see the intensive farming at first hand, as a vegetarian, it was, I think I did go home early the first day. And actually, I don't really think I went back. Um, I must have somehow got through that tick box on that one. Maybe did something else extra instead. I can imagine that that sort of thing. I may be shocking for anybody to uh, when we don't have that sort of idea about where our food comes from, and to be able to, and then to have the experience of going to one of those intensive operations like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, and then I spent two weeks at Bristol Zoo, which was really great. Um, but uh, actually, it was just cutting up fruit for the um, for the birds. It wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't exactly exciting <laughs> or much veterinary related. But I don't think you get much that experience in your first few years at college, anyway. That's for sure. And then you came to the states. You came to New Bolton, right? Exactly. That was amazing. I um, I kind of just um, by chance I applied for a grant or scholarship or something that I saw on a notice board at that school. Um, and yeah, I think it was directly for doing that. I can't remember if it was for doing an externship at Pennsylvania or if it was for some money to do something exciting related to that. So in any case, I got, um, maybe two or three weeks in the summer holidays to go to the New Bolton Centre and work in the um, equine centre. Um, and that was amazing. Was it, uh, so the experience was solely to go to New Bolton or did you have other areas that you could have, other areas of the country of the states uh, you could have selected? No, I, I, to be honest, I can't actually remember. Um, yeah. But I, I think I, because I was so keen on the equine and it was an equine um uh, sort of scholarship thing actually so it must have been all linked up I, yeah. I can't remember but um, I remember it being um, an amazing experience because it was between my um, penultimate and final year at Bristol University um, so in the final year at Bristol you, you just do rotations in practical um, different aspects of the hospital so I was really ahead of, ahead of sort of um, ahead of it all when I when I came back for my final year because um, I'd been sort of thrown in at the deep end at the new Bolton Centre where it was just completely normal to, to get up at 5am for like two weeks and go and do your rounds and um, it was all very strict and really proper 
and at Bristol, you know, my colleagues were complaining about having to get up for like eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> it was it was a good way round to do it like that. Pretty intimidating, though, huh? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, actually, <laughs> it was. If you'd have to, you'd have like I think it was like five horses that were your your ones to look after, um, and you had to go into their stables and do their vital stats, I guess, look at their medicines. Um, you know, and these were all huge horses. You know, like sport horses, and I think they were barrel races. I've never come across that before. Do sure. you know what that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. And they were riding these exciting, you know, American um, horse trainers, but we didn't have those, you know, like sort of silver bullets. You know what I mean? Those really. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I just envision I'm, I'm putting my shell, myself in your shoes and envisioning the whole thing as just being, you know, you're a student from another school, from another country, and then you're getting thrown in with their students. And in yeah. that in that intensive, very intensive equine environment, I can just imagine. I know. Just n- knowing what I experienced. There's no joking. And, it's, yeah. it's very serious. Like you, if you don't do your stuff, like I guess <laughs> pretty much in trouble. Yeah, yeah. but I but I, I I do appreciate what you said about you know that sort of prepared you for coming back to school for your final year because. You've probably been through something worse than any of them were going to experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it was great. Like, uh, I can't really remember the details, but uh, all the these horses and the foals and um, having to get all the kit on to go into the isolation areas and kind of... Um, don't really remember watching operations, but... Um, yeah, and then I went out on the ambulatory bit for a bit with some of the vets, and that was... It was beautiful um, countryside around there, like the rolling green hills and white picket fences. It was like kind of picture book. Yeah, I, I was that common for Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you how you enjoyed the, the just the area around uh, the school because it is quite it is quite nice over there. Yeah, no, it was. It was a really good experience. When you finished school, what sort of practice did you go into? Ah, well, my first job was a mixed practice, um, maybe even with a slight bias towards the equine. My most stressful thing was um, having to drive a massive car and like um, not knowing, finding my way for the calls, like, you know, finding the people's houses or farms or whatever <laughs> was quite a stress. Rather than, I can't really remember much about the, the vetting that, but it sticks in my mind about being out in the countryside, not knowing where I was going and having to actually find the places. Oh, especially, I imagine, in the middle of the night, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I guess that's the days before. Well, I didn't have that now, then, in any case. But, um, yeah. Uh, but it How was, long it were was you... a nice, nice practice. Yeah. How long were you at that practice? Um, only, probably only a year. Um, and then I, I sort of realized that I wanted to concentrate on small animals. I kind of seen enough colics in the middle of the night. So did you go to the small animal practice you went to? Was it a large practice or what, what size was it? Um, it was, yeah, it was quite a large practice. There were a few, um, there were like three or four branches, but I was based at the main hospital one. Um, and yeah, to be honest, that wasn't a great, uh, it wasn't a great experience um, because actually I didn't get much support. Um, 
I think now when you're a new grad, um, there are schemes where you've got like an actual um, named mentor who's actually had training in how to be a mentor. Um, and you can choose practices that are going to support you and help you in your first year and things. But yeah, um, at that stage, um, I don't think they really had many of those, and at least this practice wasn't like that. So I um, I can remember the vets not even saying good morning to other people, like to their colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a lot of people skills sometimes in the vet world. It's the sort of, right, here are the animals, let's do the rounds, look at this. But you kind of feel better if you have a, hey, good morning, how are you? It didn't happen. It can make a big difference. Hmm. Um, so what happened after you, how long were you at the practice? Uh, that was probably another year or so. And then I, um, then I took off and had a sort of late gap year, um, to, to Australia and New Zealand. Um, what prompted that decision? <laughs> well, I think it was being fed up with the job and kind of wanted to pack that in. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'd never had a gap year. Loads of people do that. Um, but I'd never really gone off traveling much. So um, I think some friends were going. And I I just thought, well, you know, I'll have some time off um, and go over there. So and what I, did you I, do? Actually, yeah, I'd already had my sort of interest in the holistic side of things sort of peaked at that stage um, uh, because my parents' dog um, had had a corneal ulcer um, and... Um, sort of against my my um you know wishes they they took her along to a homeopathic vet and I said, Oh of course, really, you know, what what's that gonna do? Um and um I think she'd have the ulcer scraped a few times on the conventional side to try and stimulate the healing and it wasn't working. And then she had her homeopathic remedy and the eye got and I was intrigued. You hadn't had any exposure to holistic medicine in school then? No, not at all. Yeah. So, yeah, with that in my mind, I kind of set off on my, my gap year, and um, and our family friend was Barbara Fisher. Oh! <laughs> so, yeah, I arrived in, in Sydney, and, um, and I looked her up. And, yeah, and... Um, and, and and arrived to see her, her beautiful um, holistic practice. I think it was maybe not the one even currently it could be on before that. What, what a connection. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine um, that, you know, that really was inspiring. And, um, you know, even just the practice itself was just amazing. Not, nothing like the, the sort of clinical um white tables and metal and um everything, you know, spread down and like your conventional veterinary practice. This one um had sort of sen free and fountain in the reception and um herbs and the consulting room, but more like a sort of sitting room. So I thought, wow, hold on, you know, this is a new way of doing veterinary medicine. That must have been really inspiring. Yeah, so it was really. And I saw her doing chiropractic and acupuncture um, and using her herbs. So, um, yeah, she said, why don't I um, do the 
um, I've asked acupuncture course while I was sort of having my my um, my gap year. So I did. I signed up and and did that. Did you enjoy the course? I loved it. It was really amazing. Yeah, really, really so interesting. You know, as you know, um, just learning all about traditional Chinese medicine and the five elements and everything. And um, yeah, and and all the different and all the other vets I met on it. You know, it was it was just great. Were they? Uh, I I imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were probably all mostly from Australia then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't know if I was the only Brit, maybe. But the uh, the whole Chinese medicine resonated with you then? It did. It really did. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like um, it's sort of, you know, one of the things about the conventional practice I'd been noticing was that everything was just so separated up. Like you'd, you'd see one dog for like conjunctivitis or something. And then like two weeks later, he'd be in the upset tummy or. Then the following week, you know, skin, skin and conventional medicine would just put them all in different boxes, give out the different medicines, and that's that. You'd never think, never at all think, well, I mean, you might think to, that they were all skin-related or, but, you know, you wouldn't have a, a framework to um, to understand why they're all happening. Yeah, so, yeah. Like putting the jigsaw two together and sort of saying, this is a way that you can approach the whole health. That's a good way of thinking of it. So, well, eventually you had to come home. So, what happened then? Oh well, so when I came back um, with these new skills in acupuncture, um, and I um, I set up doing referrals in acupuncture. Um, so I was going to practices in Bristol and a couple in London. Um, well. First of all, I, I was practicing a bit so that I was better at acupuncture, um, you know, in a small practice. But when I felt confident and things, um, you know, I could take referrals because there weren't many that doing acupuncture. Yeah. So did you travel from practice to practice then to do, when you started doing that? Yeah, I did really. Um, there was probably about two or three practices in Bristol where I would go on a certain sort of afternoon of the week um, and they'd sent cases to see me. Um, it was mostly for musculoskeletal sort of pain relief. Um, because they, you know, as it was referral, the vets didn't really understand that you can treat other medical things, you know, uh, the epilepsy or, you know, skin or anything else like that. They didn't really understand that you could use acupuncture for that. So it was, it was more or less uh, older senior dogs you know, stiffening up and things. But I was happy, happy to treat those. So did you dragged your herbs around from place to place? Oh, I didn't actually. It was just acupuncture. Ah, okay. Had, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't um, learned the herbs at all then. Just, just, just the acupuncture and a little bit of homeopathy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was happy doing that. And then um, I set up at like a senior health clinic Um in the London practice for a bit where I'd spend an hour and then um, give the owners um, sort of advice on all aspects of healthcare, um, like looking at their diet, supplements that might be good for the senior pets. Um, you know, I still don't think I was adding in herbs then really and then I was doing an acupuncture. Um, sometimes I was working also with um, 
there are quite a few um, CPN therapists and, and um, hydrotherapy uh, units in the UK. So sometimes I'd work with them doing the acupuncture because it would it would go well with you know getting the animals back to mobility. That's a good point. It really does. Uh, it really does. Yeah. Those those couple of things together, I do that in my practice, and uh, they're just a really good match for senior patients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's keeping them off, or at least on a lower dose of their non-steroidals or whatever it is that they're having to have. And you might find that they come off them altogether. So that was really nice when that could happen. So at what point did you uh, become involved in consulting for uh, the king? Uh, yes, exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's really only a very small story. Um, so back, uh, so Prince Charles, as he was, um, has an organic farm not far from us in Gloucestershire. Um, and I was at the time looking into the use of homeopathy on, um, on organic farms because, you know, they tend to, um, look for complementary ways of treating animals on organic farms so that they don't need to resort to the drugs um, that could then get into the food chain. So anyway, um, basically, I found out that his herd of dairy cows were under the care of a homeopath, which was fantastic. Um, she's a human homeopath who was also a dairy farmer. Um, and she knew each cow individually and their character. And she could prescribe the an individual um, homeopathic remedy for them. So, yeah, that was my little snippet about about treating royal animals. I, so I didn't even treat them. I just went and visited and listened to the story of how we treated them. But, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about your uh, your consulting with the pet food company. Oh, sure. Well, I was um I was sort of I was contacted by um by a um woman who was just setting up a pet food company and she just wanted somebody with um, experience of herbs and complementary treatments and also I was, I was writing my books at that stage. I've written two books for pet owners on um, sort of natural um, dog care and one on natural cat care. Um, so my writing skills, I was able to um, write um, content for her for her pet food companies and literature and things. Um, yeah, and just offer advice on, on the herbs that they add to the food. So, was was writing something that you all were always interested in? How did, how did that come about? Were you all yeah. of a sudden you were doing this? I, I know. Well, exactly. It was something that I was always interested in. And, um, you know, it sort of tapped into some of the more creative skills that I've got. So, um, and I suppose dipping into learning these various complementary therapies myself, um, I thought it would be a nice opportunity to um, to write a guidebook for pet owners, giving them a little introduction to what these different um, modalities are, like what is um, herbal medicine, what is homeopathy, what is chiropractic, acupuncture, um, and then also what could it be used for, how could they find someone who practices it? Um, and then a little section on sort of how they can use it themselves, like the herbs or whatever for their pet. Um, and then there's a chapter on behavior. So 
yeah, they're kind of really nice. Um, if I say so myself, really nice books. So how did you how did you f- find the time to write the books when you were working? Oh well, I was only doing referral work, so I wasn't in first opinion practice. I was doing some locuming. Yeah, but still, you're trying to manage clinical practice <laughs> and, and writing books. Did you did you do it after hours, or how did you manage to uh, to stay on track? Oh no, I I wasn't locuming all the time. So yeah, I was writing a day even. So, so that was yeah, it was kind of my full full time thing that I wanted to do. So yeah, I didn't. I, I managed to sort of make it work, juggle it a bit. Well, I'm thinking of studying a sort of um, animal behaviour a bit more. Maybe might be my next move. It's a really nice intersection, I think, in natural care and behavior. I think so. Um, and there seem to be a lot of pets at the moment in the UK, these so-called lockdown puppies. I don't know if you've got that in the States. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling to manage behavior in pets. So what does your, your day-to-day professional activity consist of now? Um probably uh, still doing some referrals um, in acupuncture at like a couple of local practices, um, sort of two or three that I go to, you know, like one afternoon a week to each one. Um, and yeah, I'm not doing, I'm really not prescribing herbs and things um, at the moment. Um, I think it's quite tricky unless you're regularly at the practice um, because you can't keep an eye on the on the patient and also yeah if you're not in an integrated practice um it's tricky to be a solo sort of herbalist um especially when other vets are probably using to blame your herbs if if something goes wrong with the patient Um, (laughs) yeah so yeah so so i'm concentrating on the acupuncture and, and still some um consulting for the pet food um world and yeah i mean writing articles for various pet journals and um and i'm excited to be tutoring at cibt on the um on the herb course how long have you been involved with cibt probably well you know knowing the last couple of years in years um i did the um diploma in western threatening herbal medicine probably back in um well, it was said on my bio, I think I was actually the first vet in the UK to actually complete um, that course. So I was quite proud to be amongst one of the first, you know, to do it in the first in the UK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a huge thing. Did you say you're doing it at the moment? I've, I finished uh, pretty recently as well, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's a big undertaking, isn't it? It's a huge undertaking, but it's so rewarding. Yeah, exactly. Um, and because that was all online, I kind of topped it up with a really um, amazing just herb course um, for humans here in Bristol um, that's run by a uh, there's a really lovely uh, um, herbal pharmacy called the Urban Fringe in Bristol. Um, so we're really lucky to have it. It's just a little herb shop. Um, you go in and the store bells that go twinkle twinkle and it's like a, it's a medieval um building i mean it's full of herbs and there's the herbalist behind the counter you know sort of messing up and things and 
um, it's like going back in time or something. Um, so, and they were running a course. Um, so I got, as well as the online, I was able to do some hands-on making and going on herb walks. And so that was a good, a good, um, mix. Otherwise it's tricky to just learn only online. Yes. And the experience you had with the practice on, you know, with your shop there just sounds wonderful, you know, an old shop and yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. Being able to make your tinctures and process your yeah. herbs and do everything with yeah. a small, I imagine what I imagine would be a small group. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really small. Just sitting in the, in the front of the shop, really. Um, oh, yeah. It sounds it's, lovely. It, it's really, um, very lucky for me because if I ever want herbs, I don't need to get them from a online or anything like that you can just go down to that place and ask for whatever you want um, oh that sounds wonderful Very lucky. Yeah. well holly it was great to talk to you great well thanks for having me on neil i'm just uh of course really jealous that uh barbara was in your family <laughs> <laughs> your family friend yeah, yeah family friend yeah, i mean it was uh, so lucky otherwise i'm you know i'm not sure I would have, you know, had the, that next inspiration. So. Yeah, it changed everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's thanks, just Barbara. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great to hear your story and, and talk about what you've been doing and, and all your varied experience. And uh, thanks, for all, thanks for all the work you do. Thanks, Neil. All right. We'll talk Bye. to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.